0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law.
1: Hello, friends! Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer this week. The Nick Limamu is officially, officially, official. Danny Pereira plays for Venezuela and hints at a potential move. Don Garber gives a little info on potential roster rule changes, and we add to the Austin FC 2024 jersey rumor mill. My name is Landon Cotton, and I'm joined, as always,
0: by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And I guess we are uh, pleased to be joined by MLS writer, author, substat guy, Phil West, who's going to help us through a little bit of the Austin FC news um, and rumors.
2: How you doing, Phil? i'm doing great um so you said you guess you're pleased <laughs> so <laughs> yes. good good to know um welcome yeah. yeah it's it's been a while um we haven't i don't i don't think we've been on a podcast together since my old one where we did the um, mls team draft is that
0: the yeah, last time ne-
2: i think so yeah i think it's been that long
0: and i like so. to forget that, that ever happened and feel like we should never you talk about a, that again a so so it's a finished, yeah that's <laughs> well, always really a pleasure to have you
1: phil
2: well it's always a pleasure to be hanging out with y'all so um Before
1: we jump into Austin FC News, I think we wanted to plug an event quickly. We don't have all of the info yet, but Jeremiah, do you want to tell listeners what we
0: do know? Absolutely. So we've done this the last few years on January 1st in the afternoon. Mm. We've uh, hung out somewhere near the stadium. Uh, It's been on the street on the Delta Denton Donnelly Loop before. That may not even be accessible now, but uh, for anybody that's listening, we would love for you all to come out and hang out with us. Maybe drinks beer, eat some pizza probably on us uh, the afternoon of January 1st, maybe play a little soccer and just sort of have like a like a coming together and celebrating the new year kind of event. It's been super fun over the last few years. Like it's it's grown over the years, uh, but we'll be back out there doing that. Probably my giant son will be there. Hopefully, Phil. Phil, you've been there the last couple of years, too, right? I so. have.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's, it's one of the it's one of the fun kind of holiday events where, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just perfect timing. It's It's like
1: a a good grounding moment for Mm -hmm. for like the journey that we've all been on together too. to go back to the spot where it all started and where we used to go meet up for socially distanced COVID beers at a construction site to go back to that space (laughs) is always really special to me. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have more details over the coming weeks. If you have any ideas of things you want to have included this year, let us know. We'll see. Maybe we can make it happen. But we're definitely going to be there on the
0: first. So come hang out.
2: It's a and, B-Y-O-B and B-Y-O-C. So you're... Your oh, it's, beer, B- your it's,
0: B- it's B-O-C. We might, we might actually make it like... We'll, we'll probably provide beer this year. But yeah, we're not providing seating. And as a Longhorns fan, I will say that we will start it early enough that you can hang out for a while and get home in time for the Sugar Bowl.
2: No. I want to see the Pop-Tarts bowl because the mascot is apparently an edible <laughs> Pop-Tart. But the an team edible team one? After the game, yeah.
0: Yeah, after the game. Yeah, they're going to give somebody a pop, like a giant <laughs> Pop-Tart to eat. I did see that too.
2: Like some 300-pound defensive lineman is going to like devour the, the back of this this weird mascot. <laughs> thing. I think it's in Orlando, um, I want to say, which which makes total sense. Like that's the city where you would have that. So yeah, I'm I'm horrified and yet fascinated and can't turn away. God bless America.
1: All right, let's get into Austin FC news. So as I mentioned in the opening, the Nick Lima trade is officially, officially, official. We reported it, uh, I think like over a month ago. And then a couple of weeks ago, we got the Tom Bogert official. Now that the MLS trade window is opened, it is now Austin FC slash MLS official. So uh, Jeremiah, do you want to run us through the specifics of this trade?
0: Yes, so Austin FC announced today the club agreed to a trade with the New England Revolution. Austin receives up to three hundred thousand in twenty twenty-four gam for Lima. Guaranteed two seventy-five, conditional twenty-five if certain conditions are met. That seems like that better be a really easy twenty-five K to pick up. It seems like a weird um conditional amount. So that deal's done. Austin gets more flexibility. Austin has now well, Phil, you wrote
2: an article about this today. Effectively, two full-time fullbacks.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> well, it depends so- on how you count. But yeah, you've, you know, you've got, obviously, John Gallagher. You have Son- Kolmenech, who is uh, recovering from an ACL. You have um, Owen Wolf, who has sometimes played that as one of the five positions he's played. And then you have Hector Caminas, who was just picked back up. So um, two, two and a half, three and a half, depending on how you count. Um, but they probably do need at least one more full-time-ish um, level fullback, you know, again, somebody on uh, Lima's maybe talent level or higher. Um, again, I mean, I think that, I mean, you, y'all have talked about, this. so by the way, um, congrats on breaking that news. That was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. thank you. Um, so there's basically, again, you know, kind of this idea. I think you had talked about this and this was something that I was kind of thinking about too. Part of the reason Lima was traded is because he could be traded. Um, as you were saying, he's one of kind of the the bigger assets that they had uh, to move. And if they do really need GAM, if they do really need to rebuild the roster, which it seems that they do, then that seemed kind of a logical place that they can go. And he is 29. So um, certainly if you are looking to get younger at that position, if you're looking to get maybe a little bit more flexible if you're going to do whatever style of roto infused wolf ball that's going to happen in 24. Um, I understand the move, but again, he's also, you know, somebody who's been fairly solid and fairly reliable. I mean, not, you know, super spectacular, but, but certainly somebody who you can plug in and probably isn't going to make major mistakes over the course of 90 minutes.
1: Yeah. As, as you referenced, and as we've said on the show many times, this, this is less about who Nick Lima was on the field for Austin FC and more about what kind of value he can generate in a trade because he was one of the few players who was tradable, like realistically tradable. And so now the question is, what do they do with that money that they got? You have the, I can't remember how much he was on, but whatever his salary was, you have that opened up. Plus this 275k guaranteed in GAM, another potential 25k. I—I I would guess like, they would want to bring in maybe a couple of free agents to fill in the rest of the fullback spots. Um, and because if, if you go out and spend the exact amount of money on a similar kind of fullback, like what was the point, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you can get some free agents who are the same level or better, or if you believe Kulminich and Gallagher, are the answers there and bring in some depth guys, like that is, a, a some forward progress in, in my eyes. Um, As far as one question I had, Phil, maybe you have some insight on this since you've been covering the league for so long with these conditions. It's my assumption that generally when there are like conditional tie-ins to these trades, are, are are they often just minutes based or could it be any number of things? Like, do you have any idea what is included in those normally?
2: I think it depends. Oh, by the way, to answer your question earlier, I looked it up real quick. Lima was on 375 last year. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think if it's 25,000, probably it is like minutes. It's like, is he going to show up? Is he going to come to training camp? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, with the Fugundas trade last year, I think it was like 300 base gam. And then there were incentives that brought it up like much higher. If uh, I 600
1: right. conditional. Yeah. And so I would guess from Austin FC's perspective that that would just be either minutes or appearances because – you're not going to you're not going to get rid of him for just 300k so you have to think we're going to get most of that additional 600 maybe not all of it we're going to get most of it if LA, if the galaxy play him on a semi consistent basis
2: right but i would i would imagine that those targets are going to be a little bit higher that it's going to be a little bit more um you know it's going to be a little bit more of a test for him to get there like he's not just going to be able to show up in carson and then all of a sudden all that money's going to rain down Austin's way
1: yeah, my, my, I mean, what I think I'm like, my reasoning, if I were in charge would be like, uh, X number of minutes or appearances means this much gam. An- another X number of appearance or minutes on top of that means a bit more, meaning that that 600 is not all or nothing, that it could be incremental. But again, we don't know. We might not ever know
2: if Austin got any of that money. Yeah, I, I doubt we'll <laughs> Unless, unless we can, you know, get, get a look at the paperwork somehow, but I don't, Um,
1: do we like this deal? I, I think we've known this number. And I think when, when Boger initially reported the 275k that we were like, that's that we're fine with it. Now that we know that this is the actual number, how do we feel about the number?
2: I mean, I think the number's fine. I mean, I was kind of hoping for a little bit higher maybe, but I mean, I think now that we've known about it for so long, it just kind of becomes in a way part of the landscape. I mean, I think your, atti- your attitude about it is really all kind of contingent on what you thought of Nick Lima as a player. You know, if you thought he was a quality everyday starter that was really going to elevate what Austin was trying to do, um, or if he was just kind of this this player to, to plug in that was okay. I mean, I think you've referred to him as like sixes across the board. And if you're not really jazzed by that, then yeah, there's, you're taking the dice roll on, you know, somebody new who's coming. And again, you don't know necessarily what you're going to get, but there's a chance at least to get something that could be a little bit more different a little bit more dynamic. But I mean, I could certainly see in a couple months time, um, everybody kind of ruining the decision to let lima go if it doesn't work out in uh the fullback replacement market but we'll have to see i mean again it's just you know it's if you know people are saying you know let roto cook and then you know if it's all of a sudden no not that way then there's not a lot of faith and confidence in him apparently how
0: are you feeling jeremiah i mean it's just one of those deals it's like i feel like we talked about this so much over this offseason and even back to the first year Where yeah i mean yeah i mean if, if good decisions are made down the road um it's 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 positive I feel like Lima's maybe not a guy that fit into this system as well as he might in other places, so maybe there's like an opportunity to achieve value there where where New England like sees more in him than Austin is getting out of him. I think that's where the upside of this deal is um but it's not a slam dunk it's not either way right it's not like a great trade either way and it's not like an awful trade either way and so much of, much of it depends on put upon what Austin does with the, the salary flexibility that Austin gets out of it, which exactly if, kind of to Phil's point, like we're going to let Roto cook, but we're also going to overreact to every single part of it, which is probably not like actually letting Roto cook. So I'm going to, going to withhold judgment until we see how the whole off season shakes out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I,
1: I'll say I was kind of hoping that we could fleece a team for more than what we got for Lima. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that, like at this point, he's worth more than what we got for him. So I'm I'm not upset by the number. Like in a vacuum, you're you're y'all are both totally right. It's going to depend on what we get from him, but the number on its own, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, and I'm just as, as a side note, I'm just I'm really happy at some of the independent journalism that's been taking place to try to confirm this. Uh, which involved um, somebody finding Nick Lima selling his pool table on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> and then his wife was wondering how she was going to move uh, breast milk across the country, which yeah. immediately I had this vision of of the Limas in a station wagon across the country with a Yeti full slice and breast milk, like, <laughs> trying to get it home and, and remain frozen. So uh, I mean, if he's selling his own pool table on Facebook Marketplace, maybe that is how they're going across the country, Phil. I just, I mean, I, 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 love the places that like the the independent media people have had to go in trying to confirm this rumor. So it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing and it's wonderful and it just adds to the the tapestry of um the the media landscape here. So. I I love all that, but um, I mean seriously, I wish him well. And you know, again, I mean, I think, yeah, and that's and that's the other kind of point that I made. I also made this to the Blazing Busket, which is um, kind of my corollary over New England. Um, It's a substack there that covers it, which was out of the kind of ashes of their SB Nation um, site. Um, So they were, you know, just kind of wondering how you know, Lima was going to set up as a player. And I mean, it sounded like kind of a lot of what they have, but this is exactly the kind of player that Bruce Arena loves. And Bruce Arena, of course, is over there, but you you get an MLS veteran, a lifer, you know, who knows the league, who knows the system. You know, he's got the benefit of also being a fringe national player. You know, he had some caps there a few years back. I mean, that just, I mean, that's, that's a consummate Bruce Arena player, but of course Bruce Arena is no longer there. So I'm um, just kind of curious to kind of see how that will that will shake out. Um, and as I pointed out, they, um, they're they going to play a CONCACAF Champions Cup. So Nick Lima will be doing what most Austin players will not.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good... I think he is a good fit for New England. So I mm-hmm. think uh, from there in, this is, this is a pretty good move too. Uh, let's jump into some of the more... Um, I guess juicier bit of news, more speculative bit of news, which is about Danny Pereira. So mm-hmm. before we get into the the rumor bit of it, we'll talk about what actually happened, which was he played for Venezuela in a friendly against Colombia mm-hmm. on Sunday night. Um, it was I, not I don't think like a full team for Colombia either. they had it was a more experienced team on the Colombia side. On the Venezuela side, it was a very young team. Uh, I think a lot of the players in this game were guys that they're looking at for their Olympic run. And so some very young players on the team. So much so that Danny Pereira was named captain of this team, which is very cool. Like I think it's a, a, a cool moment for Danny Pereira to get to wear the armband, to get to do all the media after the game, like several outlets talking to him, posting videos of him talking. I I think this is good for Danny Perez growth, but out of that, the, the media coverage that he was getting, we got a question from Ruta Vino Tinto and they were asking him about several things about, um, playing with the national or playing with the, the Venezuelan national team about getting his, his visa so he can travel with the national team and all that. And then the final question was, are you going to be playing with Austin FC next season? And his response was extremely interesting. And he got like kind of a a wry smile across his face. And he said, I think so. Uh, I'm I'm not sure, but I think so. We'll see. And there have been some with with Danny Pereira being benched towards the end, like the last couple of games with certain things going on here and there. There's been things floating around that maybe Danny's going to be on the move. This is the most concrete example that we've gotten the most concrete information that we've gotten from any anybody and it's coming straight from the player's mouth that yeah there's a a very real
0: possibility he's not going to be on this team next
1: year jeremiah what are like what are you reading into
0: this how did you read his response here well i mean i guess at first i really hoped that it was like uh picking up context or you know (laughs) misappropriate or whatever but it's a pretty direct question. And a pretty no, if you watch flow. the video, there's <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no and confusion
1: like, here. This is what I mean, he meant to say, yeah. and this is what happened.
0: <laughs> I mean, my Spanish is not great, but even I am like, oh no, that's exactly what he said. Like, none of these yeah. words are like open to regional interpretation, um, or whatever. So yeah, I guess I was I came in to, to we'll get into the sort of the season schedule later, but like I, I came in today hoping hoping for like uh incoming player news and leave today being stressed out that one of our best players may be gone. Um, and I thought that if Danny was going to be out of Austin, just what I know that, that uh, Austin FC would probably sell him for a giant pile of cash in Europe. And uh, Phil West, friend of the show, like has some information that may indicate that that is not the case. Well,
2: and these are just rumors that are floating around at this point, but I did have um, someone I know that covers LAFC Wondering, hey, have you heard anything about LAFC trading for Pereira? And I'm like, no. Wow. I'm hearing, I'm hearing rumors that he might be going, but I did not hear a team mentioned. And then checked in with somebody else that I know who says that there might be other teams that are interested as well. There might be a three-way deal cooking. Um, the other team that was mentioned is kind of maybe the Surefire could be really interested really deep into it uh, is the crew. So yeah, you have the MLS <laughs> competitors, um, both of, if Danny Pereira was traded to either of those teams, I think would, greatly upset the Austin fan base for different reasons. Um but I do think I mean if this is if this is happening I mean again I think there's a bunch of speculation as to to what it might be. Some of it might be kind of his visa situation and that being kind of unclear about like when he can actually get to Europe and and all that. Um my kind of theory on it is like again if if Austin gives up all their kind of sell on rights if he does go to Europe then I think it's going to be a really bad trade but Let's say just you know, kind of let's entertain the scenario here. Let's say Danny gets traded to laFC. um Danny gets a chance to shine in that system, has a really good year. then he moves to Europe. And let's say laFC has fifty percent of the sell on rights and Austin is fifty percent of the sell on rights. And let's say he goes for like five to six million. like, you know, then all of a sudden you've got laFC and Austin each getting two and a half three million. So that would still be good business. And you could even make the case that maybe there are better teams that Danny could showcase on and really develop, you know, given a 2024 season where he gets to be, you know, maybe part of a more, you know, dynamic functioning offense than Austin's been in 2023. Um, So maybe, I mean, maybe it's not a terrible, like, oh, we're just cutting our losses and just getting rid of this incredible asset. Maybe it's like, we're going to develop this asset kind of in coordination with another team i mean i think that's if he's moving kind of a best case scenario for what could happen i mean the worst case scenario is of course just that um it's it's just cutting ties with him altogether and there's no kind of benefit from you know getting him first in the super draft and cultivating him over these first few years Uh, i would
1: think that i want to push back on a couple of things you said that I don't know that Danny Pereira at his age is ever going to go for five or $6 million.
2: Okay. I was just kind of throwing that out. There's a hypothetical. Yeah. But, but
1: like, I think like, so, okay, let, let, let me pitch a different scenario where okay. we don't get any sell on, but we get a very large amount of gam now. Mm. Do we think that is also
2: good? Or, what is the number? Like, what is
1: uh, it? So I was talking with Mike, in a chat earlier and he said that that his lower limit was 1.1 million which is the current max that like if you sold a player abroad that you can convert to allocation money Mm, and so if we're going to trade him within the league i want the most amount that we would get if we were to trade him abroad that we could actually use on the roster
2: Mm -hmm. okay
1: but i I i honestly think like i mean and if he he's still young enough that he could have a breakout and get up to that four to six million mark. But I, my guess now is that like kind of his ceiling is like one to two million as far as an international transfer goes.
2: Right. But we're kind of seeing him forced into a six role that might not be his best necessarily. Well, I mean, Venezuela played him as a six. Danny says he's a six. So I don't know. But is he, he's not, I mean, he's not a destroyer six. I mean, he's kind of more of like a deep lying playmaker six. And I mean, again, there's, yeah, and splitting hairs and all that but it's just again a question of what would he look like in you know lafc system versus what he's looked like in ours
1: yeah and so talking about lafc that's interesting because kellen acosta is a player they've had for the last few years Mm -hmm. Uh, he's out of contract and is i think he makes just over a million dollars right now Mm -hmm. if you can move on from Acosta and bring in Pereira. They're not the same player, but they're not so different. Um, Bring in Pereira. Maybe you'll give up some gam or a player on the front end, but then his salary is going to be much lower than Acosta's is. I could see how they would be interested in that move. So like that part of it, I think makes a lot of sense.
2: Or what if you trade Pereira for Acosta? I mean, he's out of contract. They're, they don't have to trade. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah. So they wouldn't, but they wouldn't do like a kind of like a sign and trade type thing, I guess, or no, I guess he could just- Maybe.
1: I don't I don't know why Acosta would do it at this yeah, point. He's true. not an option. So yeah. uh, if if we do get rid of Pereira, I would absolutely be interested in signing Acosta, but he might be a bit rich for our blood at this point in the, the GAM strapped situation we're in at the moment.
2: But if you all of a sudden fall into 1.1 million of GAM, then <laughs> yeah. maybe that's <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um I this is an argument I've seen online today with all this going on is that this seems to to be a fairly popular opinion that selling Danny to Europe is would be a success. Trading him within MLS is a failure. Mm. Do either of you have a strong opinion on that?
0: Yeah, that was that was going to be my question is I mean why why that's the case, I mean, obviously, I think as a fan watching Danny come to Q two and play against Austin FC would probably be suboptimal. I think I think it's a thing we would hate. I also think it's a little bit of a thing that we're going to have to get used to, like as a club that matures and like our favorite players and stars are going to move on, and sometimes they're going to come back and play against us. Um, and I guess the the really I think the the answer lies sort of in between sort of the two takes y'all had on like what he's worth if you can sell him to europe for more than he can possibly bring in mls then that is attractive but like if we think his ceiling is 1.1 or 1.3 or whatever it might be then 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 like i give whatever you can get because i do know that like it's garber math but like damn dollars count more than actual dollars in a lot of situations yeah um so it, it would help the team if they can maximize his value and sell him within the league i don't know what, right. do, you, what do you think about that take phil you think it's just like uh a Euro snob kind of take or like, do you buy into it?
2: I mean, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean kind of the analogy that I was thinking as, um, is if you have, you know, MLS is college football, right? So let's say you have like, you know, UTS is a stud quarterback ending his junior year. And so if he enters the draft and goes to the pros, that's essentially like going to Europe and that's considered success, right? Because you have this player all of a sudden who you've developed, he's going on to kind of bigger and better things. There is this perception of Europe still as being kind of this ultimate landing place for players. And if he enters the transfer portal and then ends up at Oklahoma – That's seen as a failure. (laughs) You've you've essentially kind of lost that player that was going to help your team within this particular competition and then is going to, you know, in a worst case scenario, a rival or at least, you know, somebody who is another team within the same sphere. And there's this kind of idea maybe of, not retaining him, not being able to keep him. Um, And again, I mean, I think the big question for Pereira is, okay, is he kind of slated to be an MLS lifer? Is he someone who is going to flourish best in this league? Or does he really have an opportunity to shine and develop and grow in Europe? You know, are are there parts of his game that could benefit from being in La Liga or Serie A or something along those lines? You know, does it really max out for him in MLS?
1: Yeah, the difference with your analogy there, though, is Oklahoma doesn't have to pay 1.5 million in GAM if you (laughs) lose a guy in the transfer portal. And to Jeremiah's point, it is, in recent years, equal amounts of GAM and real U.S. dollars, the GAM is more valuable to an MLS club. Mm -hmm. And so if we trade Danny away for 500K in GAM, yeah, that's a waste. I hate that. But if we can get, like, over a million dollars in GAM for him or like equivalent players or whatever, I, like it's not, monetarily, it is not a bad move. I understand the emotional aspects of it and I I feel that, but I would not, I I would be sad if he goes to another MLS team. I would not be mad if he goes to an MLS team for a substantial amount of GAM because like, like we said, it is worth more than real money in this league at times. Um, talking, an, another thing I meant to go back on Do we think that Danny, like Danny's not a starter for LAFC? I don't think so. Do y'all think he is?
2: Depends on what they do in the off season. I mean, Uh, yeah, if he's part of how they're resetting and getting younger, you know, if Acosta's out and like, where's Ilya at? I mean, is he, I think they're still trying to make decisions. I think he's still under contract
1: and they have Bogush. They have, uh, they have several younger guys who I think are like the next wave, uh, Kellen Acosta, who I think is a more complete player than Danny Prayer is at this moment, mm-hmm. might, might not always be true. Kellen Acosta wasn't starting for them a lot right. of this year. So right. I think that would be something very interesting to watch. If he does go to them, like what kind of time is he actually getting? Because I don't think he walks into that midfield at this point. Right. Whether or not he comes back to Q2 in an Austin FC jersey, there is a very real chance of him coming back to Q2 later this summer for the Copa America, the draw happened after the last show published and the teams that are going to play are Venezuela and Jamaica in one of the games there. So uh, if he does make that team, which you're, you're thinking if he's getting picked as the captain in this younger squad that he has a decent chance of at least making the full squad for this Copa America. So uh, that that would be a pretty bittersweet moment if we trade him away and then get
0: to watch him come play for Venezuela next summer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would say yeah either either whether whether he ends up going to Europe or within a league that he comes back here um, that would be kind of hard and then there's still the chance right that uh, we get Danny in one match and then possibly uh, Julio in the other because Honduras and Costa Rica Winner of that one is going to play on July
2: 2nd right Um, against, at Q2. against Paraguay right so yes there's a chance so it- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Rodney.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Rodney and uh, Cecilia will definitely be nailed on starters for Paraguay in that one. Romagna out. too, yeah. No, he's, oh, Colombian. He's, Colombian. he's Colombian. Yeah, he's Colombian. Oh, he right. just played okay. at that's right. Yeah. that's
2: right. He played professionally. Yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry.
1: Professionally-ish, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Danny Pereira before we take a break?
2: I mean, I kind of hope that the rumors aren't true, but there seems to be like a fair bit of smoke. So, I mean, this is going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously... You know, people people wanted news, people wanted speculation, people wanted <laughs> roster change energy. So now they have it. It's kind of a be careful what you wish for situation. So yeah. um, uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's I mean, again, like if he is this kind of highly movable asset, like we've talked about him as being, you know, obviously, I mean he's a great player and we'll miss him. But I mean, in terms of just this kind of idea that this is what you do with young players in MLS, you find it's this gen this generation adidas player in the super draft you develop him for three years you see him grow you see him flourish and then um he gets to move on and you get the the benefits of having you know taken a chance on him you know picking him first in the draft over you know other quote unquote sure number ones that were in that draft and then you get the opportunity to maybe you know turn that into to new players and there's a super draft coming up where austin gets the fifth pick again so maybe yeah. there's there's a new you know, generation Adidas player to, to cultivate in there who, you know, again, the last time Austin had the fifth pick, it was Keller. Um, And that didn't work out as well as maybe people had (laughs) hoped, but um, you know, assuming that you believe in Fodry, I mean, Austin's kind of, you know, two for three in terms of good super draft picks in, you know, a three-year history of doing it. So um, yeah, I mean, that's not shabby, right? Yeah.
1: I, I know most of us don't like seeing, beloved players move on. But the truth is like, this is part of what it, what it means to be like one of the big boy clubs in MLS. You see talking about LAFC, they're one of the teams who has sold guys successfully and been very quick to do that. They're, they're not hesitant to move guys on. The second part of that is being able to reload. Right. And that's what LAFC has been able to do successfully. Uh, So I'm, I'm not mad. Like, logically I'm not mad that Austin FC is looking at moving some of these high value young players. That is what good teams do. The second part is going to see what they do with that money, because that is what really makes you an elite club is being able to move guys and then reload and bring more guys in and then move guys the next season and bring more guys in.
2: Right. And then also just kind of knowing and being able to adjust your picks, right? Like LAFC put a lot of kind of, you know, faith and effort into Brian Rodriguez, who didn't like really work out, but then they picked up Dennis Bonga, who most certainly has, right? So, you know, essentially kind of same position, um, same profile paper and um, same profile kind of player in a lot of ways, but uh, with Rodriguez, you didn't see that quite gelling in MLS the way that they were hoping that it would. And then with Boanga, it most certainly did. And if you're doing that at a high enough rate and you're as good a sporting director as John Thorrington is, then, you know, if you're, if your hit rate's good and you're targeting that level of players and you're having that level of ambition, you're going to be a pretty good team. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, Phil. If people, absolutely, first of all, like, if you do not already subscribe to Phil's Substack, you're kind of an idiot if you listen to the show. But now that, now that I've belittled you, like, Phil, where can people find people find <laughs> your work if they don't already have it?
2: Um, it's verityallday.substack.com. I'm on Twitter at Phil West and kind of increasingly distressed with Twitter. I'm on threads at Philippe West. I'm on Blue Sky. Um, I'm on other platforms that are very very hard to keep up with. So, um I I feel like this is going to shake out, you know, in the next few months, I hope and we're all going to settle on one platform to be on, but um until then, yeah, I mean those are, you know, those are the places and um the Substack, yeah, I've been putting things out several days a week during the off season, um, a lot of kind of speculation about players that austin might want to sign might be interested in um a lot of kind of nerdy deep dive stuff and now we're actually getting into real news again so um it's been refreshing but it's also you know i never i never know when the hammer's gonna drop and i'm gonna have to turn around and you know write something you know which is which is part of the the joy and the thrill of it but also the you know the weirdness of this time of year
1: yeah. Such as the life of independent media, huh?
2: Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: well, Phil, we appreciate all the work that we do. Uh, we always enjoy having you on. So thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, good luck with the rest of the off season.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it. Y'all too.
1: Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FEF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC.
0: FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fef.law to find out what makes FEF a different
1: kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fef.law. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that's served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the
0: community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost eight billion dollars in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of three hundred thirty-six dollars a year in bank fees. Which, look, y'all, it's time for Christmas. So you can put a lot, you get get a loved one something you something that they want and something they will appreciate more than like paying some awful bank bank fees. You pay none of those with Amplify Credit Union.
1: Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more,
0: go to www.goamplify.com slash Moontower. Our premier sponsor, McGuire Woods Consulting, helps companies and nonprofits navigate the political process at the Texas Capitol, at the city, and national level. And I told Landon this before, and I don't want it to be weird, but I heard some like McGuire Woods people talking about lobby strategy, um, sitting outside drinking a beer on Saturday. They seem really serious about it, like they wanted to help their clients. So good for those guys. With offices across the country and in 10
1: MLS cities, including Austin, Houston, and Dallas, McGuire Woods Consulting is solidly verde and black. Learn more about our friends at McGuire Woods Consulting at mwcllc.com. All right, we are back. We are going to talk a bit about the recent MLS State of the League address from Commissioner Don Garber. Uh, Jeremiah, you, you wrote out kind of the outline here. Where
0: should we start with this? I mean, these, these Don Garber things are... I guess some years they're super interesting. There's a lot of news. And I don't... Were you... In, uh, my most memorable one will always be being in Haymaker. in maybe like 2019 when he did it. And it was the first time somebody had officially announced that Austin yeah. was going to be part of the league. Yeah, I was there. I was there yeah. that night. Yeah, that was super exciting. So sometimes these are like, are like exciting breaking news things. Sometimes they're kind of... Uh, Secondary sort of uh, bits of interest, but I feel like this one was pretty meaty um, in terms of they were like a lot of off season rumors that he either either clarified or or put to rest um, things we have talked about on the show. So yeah, it was really interesting. So he always does this. Is it halftime? Right, halftime of the uh, the MLS Cup is usually when he does I, it. I
1: didn't catch it live. I think it was too long to have been at halftime. So I think this was this must have been before the game. But I didn't catch it live. I had to watch it on replay. But it was
0: like because oh, it was like an hour, long. right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So. I think it must have been before the game.
0: Yeah, so let's go, like, number one piece of news that I think is something that we've speculated on a lot is recently is next week. Because it's a rumor we had heard everywhere, um, is that he says that kind of unequivocally there will be no fourth designated player in 2024, which I know some Austin FC fans are sort of excited about the potential for, uh, for that to give Austin some relief to, like, pursue other players. So um, were you surprised by this news?
1: I mean, you you say we heard it everywhere. We heard it some places, but I was I was skeptical of these rumors because okay. of who we weren't hearing it from. Okay, so who did, who did we not hear it from? Then? We did not hear it from Tom like, Bogart. We didn't from Bogert. Jeff Reuter. We did not hear it from Paul Tenorio. We didn't hear it from any of like the big newsbreakers in MLS. And for that reason, I was like, I'm not so convinced. Um, I don't I think that was the big headline, right? And a lot of MLS fans, like the diehards, reacted to this news negatively. I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing because Garber goes on, and we'll, we'll get into some of this, he goes on to hint that there are changes coming. It, it's just not this fourth DP thing. And and that's, like, there, there are other changes, I think, are more important than a fourth DP.
0: There are, but I feel like the way... One, it's just like, we don't know what those are and they're not tangible, right? Because he says, uh, after that, I think he said like, oh, there's going to be some changes coming you're going to be excited about. And and, and they weren't even like, I don't believe that they were like, specifically there are roster changes or salary changes or anything you're going to be excited about. He just said, changes. I guess the good thing is we're going to know soon, right? Because... He referenced the meeting, is it this
1: week? This week. So he said this was on Saturday and he said next week. So it should be coming out sometime this week. Uh the the new chain. I guess the meeting is happening. Who knows when they'll actually release it? But he kind of acted like that information would be publicized this week, also.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you're not okay. So you meant you said it's not necessarily a bad thing because there are other things that are coming. Um, do you want to go into why you think maybe it's not a bad thing and what the other things are that we might know about or will know about. My ideal scenario is not
1: mm, like the fourth DP spot opens up spending on one roster spot at the top end of the roster. My ideal scenario would be opening up a bit more like the other the other American sports where you have this amount of money to spend, spend it however you want. And then we have, instead of having like three, $4 million players, and then a bunch of $250,000 players, we can have six $1 million players. Like I would rather live in a world like that. I think it gives more flexibility to front offices, more flexibility to coaches, more depth overall on teams, where if one guy goes down, then you're not screwed for the rest of the season. So I'm hoping that that it isn't all bad news that... Like, I'm trying to be optimistic here that no fourth DP doesn't mean no more spending,
0: period. That it means more spending just in a different way than a designated player. True. But we don't have a a good, like, idea about what that way might be, not at this point, I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, there have been some rumors, and I don't... He didn't actually say... Like, there's been rumors about the, like, freeing up the U22 thing. Did he actually say that in the... Yeah, he didn't say that.
0: Yeah, because written re- in the in the first version of the outline, I had written like the U twenty two thing into the address, and then I went back and like read the transcript of the address, and he doesn't talk about it. But I think that that I believe that that particular um, rumor has been covered in the athletics. I feel like that's probably more likely than not to be true. Um, it, that helps. I mean, in Austin's case specifically,
1: that would mean we could like, currently Alex Ring is kind of the like the touchy point of the whole U-22 debate where if Austin signs more U-22 players or if Musajite comes back off of, uh, from loan, then we are limited to having two full DPs and then one max TAM DP. Currently that that person's name is Alex Ring. If they free up the, the rumor is that the, the U-22 spots, all teams will get three of them regardless of their DP situation. What that would mean is we could sign more U-22 players, which means like young young lottery tickets is essentially what they are because they're on low enough money that they're not super big prospects. But uh, you can you can take a chance on some of those guys and spend a bit more money than you would be allowed to under normal roster rules. Then you could buy down ring to a proper TAM contract and sign a third full DP, uh, like a full DP slot. That would help us out a lot, right? Because we could keep Ring... like I guess Ring's contract
0: doesn't weigh us down as much as it currently does in that scenario. Right. I mean, assuming there's some additional ro- uh, salary flexibility that's added in with that, which one would think there would have to be um, in order for that to happen. Um, I guess the other big piece of news... Well, I, there's, there's several things that are interesting. I guess the the second biggest headline, I think for me in terms of like a lot of folks, are the plans for expansion and Beyond San Diego... Uh, Because San Diego will be the 30th club. And Garber said, We've been doing it for a long time. And like he does not expect um, the league to go beyond 30 at this point. Said, Never say never. But he said, uh, It says over the next number of years. So I believe there was probably some sort of broad belief that the league would go to 32, just because it's an even number of teams in both conferences. Um, And that does not seem to happen at any point. That doesn't seem like it will happen at some point in the near future.
1: Yeah, it seems like after every kind of expansion round, he'll kind of move the goalposts back a little bit. A little bit, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll go to 28, we'll go to 30. And I think a lot of people were expecting that to happen after this 30th team was signed, ended up being San Diego. Um, yeah, he, he definitely did the opposite, right? He said, like, no, no, we're good for now. Not saying we'll never do it, but I'm curious if, like, with them growing MLS next pro. If like, I, I don't know that they'll ever do like a pro rail type thing, but if they were ever going to, I think they would have to bring on those teams to a second division first and not have them buy in at first division prices. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that was interesting that he said in such sure terms that we're not going to do it right
0: now. Yeah, he says, we've got to look at how this all develops over the next number of years, which I think is very direct. So, like, are you thinking, so you let Sacramento or Louisville into, like, MLS Next Pro and then see how they do, and that's the path forward to? Obviously, like, this is, like, uninformed, but, like, does that kind of guess about how maybe it happens? Maybe that's what it is. And, like,
1: instead of, like, a proper Pro-Rel thing, there would be, like, growing to a much larger thing where, like, there's like a, I don't know, a, we'll get into Apertura Clausura stuff here in a second, but maybe there's something like that. And then, like, a, a Champions League type thing that teams play in, and like lower league teams can play their way into that kind of thing or I don't, something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if the immediate growth in the next few years comes in MLS Next Pro, as we've seen them add teams that are not second, like MLS second teams. There's some independent teams joining MLS Next Pro, and be surprised if. MLS
0: expansion it comes from that route in the near future. Yeah. And I think that that was a, um, so the league's been in rapid growth mode uh, over the last few years, probably sort of at a, at a maybe unsustainable pace a little bit in terms of um, growing cities and a little bit in terms maybe of, of, of this is maybe not as fast as some people want, but in terms of roster changes. So uh, I thought another thing was, was, that was interesting was when pe- when he was asked about um, sort of the rules for spending and roster the way that he talked about that being a long-term thing and not being reactionary and he says the rules are in place to manage the strategic investment that our owners and teams have in delivering a product on the field that can capture the attention that we're looking for and really talked about that there's I mean, what I got out of this is there's like no specific timeline for when Major League Soccer would like open everything up that like he's interested in that. He like he knows the fans are interested in it. The league office is interested in it. But but the league is never going to get out ahead of themselves and create like an NASL situation. Yeah. Where it's going to be unsustainable. So when so there's no timetable, but like when the time comes that like teams can just open the pocketbook and go crazy, they'll do it, but they're not going to push that agenda forward.
1: Yeah. And I, I again I thought it was interesting that he was referring to like doing away with some of the like the siloed spending and the restrictive rules and maybe like going towards what I was saying, where it's like, okay, here's the amount of money you can spend, spend it how you want. And I don't know that he's ever referenced it so directly like that before. So I thought that was interesting, too. And he's kind of saying like, we have these rules in place for essentially a specific goal. Once we've achieved that goal, and we don't feel those rules are necessary, we'll do away with them. And so uh, like as, as frustrating as MLS is and as slow moving as they are, I do think they've been very successful in a lot of these goals that they've set and achieved. I think they probably could have done it a bit faster uh, if there weren't some of the ownership groups kind of being reluctant to move spending ahead. Um, but it's, it's hard to argue with the fact that like how much they've grown a league in such a short period of time. And that like this, this trajectory as annoying and frustrating and slow as it is at times, I think you have to give them a little bit of credit for how successful it's been. That being said, like, again, it is slow and annoying and frustrating. And I wish that, like, I th- I think we're to a point
0: now where it's maybe a bit slower than it needs to be. Yeah, I think it does. But I you know, I, th- I wonder if part of this is too, is like, uh, you know, Don Garber's first year as a commissioner of MLS was basically, I don't know, convincing two or three guys to keep the league afloat. I think I- this is right. Or around the time, like convincing two or three guys to keep the league afloat and like really having no certain future. And I feel like he's probably never going to forget that and is never going to yeah. let this league grow like beyond... What seems sustainable, which might be slower than people want, but is probably more successful um, in the long term for it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And okay, so another thing, like going back to the last week when we asked about whether there would be a Leagues Cup or not um, in 2024, because we hadn't heard anything about it for sure. And this ties a little bit into the uh, schedule congestion. So he was asked about Leagues Cup, Leagues Cup, and he says Leagues Cup was a smashing success on every measure. And as so many things this year wanted to exceed so many of our expectations, it's only the beginning, and then he also hinted that there were, could quite possibly be some more games in Mexico in twenty four I think when he talked about um making things more advantageous for the Mexican teams in terms of of travel, but I guess League Cup is here to stay
1: yeah, yeah we don't we don't know what it's going to look like, but that it will exist we, I don't think that's much of a surprise, right
0: no i don't I don't think it is. I think he seemed to kind of um. The US Open Cup seemed to be the odd tournament out. Is that yeah. right? And you I thought your that was interesting. He was, yeah, he's very high on the League's Cup. And then he got asked about schedule congestion. And he said, basically, we got to figure out some way to judge your own participation. And the US Open Cup was, yeah, it seemed to be the one where maybe uh, there would not be the uh, participation from, from the league, which I'd not heard him say before.
1: I, I think there had been rumors about this, or maybe just like theories that one solution to Um, schedule congestion would be to have teams who are playing in other competitions. So say CONCACAF, is it called CONCACAF Champions Cup? Is that what it's called going forward? Yes, that's what it's called now. Yeah, And then playing in in these other competitions and they're going to have a lot of extra games going on. Maybe those teams sit out of the U.S. Open Cup. And so that could be what he's referring to here because LAFC, I think, played 53 games this year that's more than one game a week over the entire year which is crazy and they rightfully have complained about it because like that's on mls roster restrictions i mean that that's too many games for any team in any league anywhere but to do that on the limited roster restrictions that mls teams have that's crazy and so from that perspective from like a player's rights perspective from a player health perspective I like the idea that they won't, won't participate in U S open cup. However, on, on, at the same time, I don't like the
0: idea of like cheapening U S open cup somehow. Yeah, I, I get that, but I still don't know where, I don't know where it gives. Like there's just, there's too many competitions to, yeah, to fit uh, into the season. Um, you, you
1: could argue that the teams in other competitions aren't going to take the open cup seriously anyway. So
0: yeah, that's uh, fair. Cause they, you gotta, you gotta, gotta
1: preserve guys. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Totally. Um, and then so he also um, talking about the Pope um, America and Leagues Cup in 2024 and taking big breaks for these, says we can't afford it. He was very specific about that. So let me say we can't afford it. The message for everybody, if to shut the league down and lose games, it impacts our players, it impacts our partners, it impacts our fans. So I'm really interested to see um, how this all goes in terms of the 2024 schedule and when it starts and when it ends and when the teams take break which leads into probably one of the most interesting things he said uh and didn't go into a, lot, a little a lot of detail is like the aperture and clausura structure for major league soccer like how do you how do you feel about that
1: yeah my my initial like instinctive reaction is negative towards that just because i like my soccer background like starts in Spain, and then started paying attention to England, and then started paying attention to MLS. And so that
0: structure is not familiar to me. Wait, but, what is what is that structure for those for people who don't? So yeah, the, don't the, watch the structure League I'm M-Mackies. talking about yeah.
1: is like your your standard uh, like fall to spring system where you have one season per like fiscal per year, year essentially. Yeah. The Apertura and Clausura is what a lot of like Mexico does, a lot of South American leagues do, where you essentially have like two seasons per year. And then you might have like a little playoff system or something like, uh, like something where like both, both seasons factor into some other greater competition. And so, like, like I said, my reaction just because of like my frame of reference, what I know, what I'm used to is different than this. But I I would like to like humble myself a little bit here and just say like there are a lot of leagues who who do it this way, a lot of countries who do it this way and seem to like it. Like I, I don't I don't like talking to people who are fans of League of teams, they they seem to be okay with this structure. So I imagine it would take some getting used to. Um, but
0: I don't think it would necessarily be bad. Yeah, but it is it is hard because you're used to like playing a year. And at the end of the year, playing a season, whatever it is, and because like the NBA and the NHL both do this, right? Where it, it's not like a calendar year, but it's a it's like a school year, or like you know, it's 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 a season, and you get it'd be one like a spring champion.
1: season and a fall season, yeah. or
0: something like that. Yeah, you get one champion, so like it would be um, it would be very different. I don't know if I love it. I do like the different like sets of things they're considering, and I wonder a little bit if. Some of this is just like let's throw that idea out there, and see how many people love it or hate it. Yeah, and then and then go from there. Because there's like a there's a lot of ideas that are like maybe this, maybe that, like all the way across the board. I think of this address where um, some of it has to be like trial balloons for like which things have a little bit of of momentum that that the league maybe wants to pursue more. Which again kind of ties back into the um, sort of being cautious and taking like the most reasonable structured uh you know, sustainable approach to what the league is doing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think from like a a fan psychology standpoint, one positive of the Apertura Clausura structure is that you have more chances to have a successful quote unquote season. And my like part of me thinks like, well that kind of like cheapens the whole thing, right? It's because like, oh well, this one didn't matter. We'll we'll win in the in the but spring win the next or one, whatever. Yeah. But after we like let ourselves be, if even if like a little bit ironically buoyed by the Copa Tejas win this year, like <laughs> yeah. maybe that's a good thing. Maybe more opportunities to win something are good.
0: Yeah, and with the with the with the size and the um, geography and the imbalance of the league, I can see where like some that like there's some opportunity to to sort of ease the travel burden and things like that by having like a schedule format it's a little bit different from what from what they have now so um what were your other do you have any other points you wanted to make sure and hit um, out out of this interview I thought it was
1: interesting that one of the people in the room asked about like the whole save the crew thing and that just like asking like okay this team was at the point of almost not existing and now here they've won two MLS cups they hadn't won at this point in the thing but have made it to two MLS Cups in the last few years and just ask Garber about that. Like puts them in kind of a tough situation, but I thought it was interesting given some stuff that's been going on in like Austin FC Twitter lately, namely Chris Bills popping back up. You want to talk about Chris?
0: Yeah. Chris Bills fighting with people from Columbus, basically. (laughs) I I totally missed it. I missed most of this discussion. So if you want to, um, yeah, if you want to like hit on the highlights of that and then tie it back into Don Garber's commentary, I would love to hear that. I, I yeah, I, I think this goes back to just like
1: the respect that I have for the work that Chris Bills did in the time in Austin soccer that he was doing it in that he's from the like the Columbus area, was a Columbus Crew fan as as a younger person, uh ended up coming to Austin, became like the writer about Austin FC during this whole period and was accused by people on both sides of being like a Homer one way or the other. And I think that means he was doing a good job because he was asking Probably, hard questions yeah. of Austin FC leadership. um, While also like writing positive things about like the, the soccer culture that was being built in Austin and like Columbus people didn't, some of the Columbus people didn't like that. And so uh I, I think, Chris had a tweet yesterday saying that the Columbus crew are a top five sports story in the world in the last few years, period. And I saw some reactions to that saying, like I thought Chris was an Austin guy. I thought he was on our side and it was like, well, no, actually he was fighting with crew people just last week saying that like it was people talking about like how Anthony Precourt tried to steal a team and if it weren't for the fans in Columbus. Like putting up a stand, then and Chris was saying, like, well, I mean, the fans, yeah, they did, like, it was commendable, but the real reason the crew still exists are because a new ownership group came in and paid for the team and said that they were going to put a stadium downtown. And that's what Precourt was trying to do the whole time, and they weren't going to do it. And that's why he wanted to move.
0: Yeah. And and convince the city and state, like, convince the city of Columbus and the state to pitch in the money, which is the other part of it, too. Yeah. So no, I I, I thought that was uh, yeah good work with Chris and like yeah um, the commissioner in his very commissioner way basically said like oh it's amazing like we're happy for both of them. I think he managed yeah. to call managed to call both stadiums world class like are the best in the league at, <laughs> in the same quote somehow which, which I think which is true. Do.
1: I think it's true. Both of them are very nice stadiums and all that to say like I think like Chris. Chris is right. Whether or not you depend, whether or not you like agree on it with every part of it, I think he's right on all sides that the like what the Save the Crew movement did was commendable and cool. Uh, it also is not probably not even the top five reasons why that team is still there. Most of those reasons are billions of dollars. And it's also true that like, like what Columbus is doing is really cool now. Like all of this can be true. And what Austin is doing is really cool. Like all of this is true. And like, that's what Chris has been talking about and reporting on. And he's always going to catch strays for, for being on one side or the other, maybe less so as time goes on. But uh, I, I've always really appreciated that Chris has like been willing to ask the questions and like say things like they are, regardless of, of how various sides of, of an argument might view them
0: yeah and he I, he probably won't listen, but I happen to talk to him today just randomly, and he's like happily like a, and his family place just outside of Toledo, um and probably like happy with his life and happy to be outside the soccer media, so like good for Chris Pills right now. all right, well let's um you want to take another break, and then we've got some more, oh, you've got some jersey I don't even know what you call it some jersey some tea he got some info tea.
1: some new info,
0: yeah. Cool. Let's take a break and then we'll talk about that and we'll cover the rest of the Austin FC news. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been meeting the needs of local car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Coverts an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. This week, we want to talk to you about a Ford F-150 XLT. You can get it for 2.9% APR for 72 months, plus no payment for 90 days. This is stock number 2231529. Advertised price is 44648 with MSRP, dealer discounts and rebates. You can get this again for 2.9% APR for 72 months and no payment for 90 days. See dealer and website for complete details. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out covertford.com. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. The team is made up of Austin awesome experts who are client-focused and have over 30 years of combined real estate experience. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin,
1: talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com.
0: All right, we're back. And landed. you have heard... We've talked about the Jersey like two or three weeks in a row now, but you have heard juicy rumors or inside information about Austin FC's jersey for next year and you're excited about it and I want you to just like lay out all the information and all the sources you have right here.
1: Yeah, so it this is this is like not direct information. This is second-hand information of people as, who know, the best have information seen it is. and know what it looks like. But I was told under
0: the conditions that I couldn't share it with anybody (laughs) okay so so of the things that you can't share with anybody what can you hint we're i'm gonna not gonna ask you a bunch of questions about it because like that will take forever but like what can you hint or tease or not or divulge that you were not supposed to divulge
1: let's do this i'll i'll just go ahead and tell you on the call here okay i'll go back through in the edit and i'll bleep out anything that i think shouldn't go out on the broadcast.
0: Perfect. That's really good for me and not great for everybody else. So I like this. I like how this is going. Okay. So told me that he
1: spoke to the for who has seen the jersey and knows knows what it looks like. And he said of the jersey that it's very and that it's reminiscent of and specifically cited the and this all got me i don't know about you jeremiah you can tell me what you think about all that but it got me extremely excited about this jersey
0: yeah i mean i like i like the combination of all those things and it seems i feel like we've been planning for like the most generic boring possible combination and being excited about it so the fact that that doesn't like, feel
1: generic or boring to me. No, if that's what fact, it is,
0: right? Yeah, the fact that there's none of that, it seems somewhat interesting and different. Like, I mean, yeah, there's no downside on that. So, I'm now yeah, well, also we'll, excited we'll see about how it.
1: much of this makes the edit. But listeners, if nothing else, know that we're excited
0: about it now. <laughs> love it, love it. Let's let's close the Jersey bit out and maybe go into a little bit of off season news. So today, December 11th is the day that the trading window opened, and we talked earlier about how. Um, Nick Lima's going out officially got noticed and I feel like a lot of people were hoping for green smoke from Anthony Pre-Court, which we did not see so one of the things that we wanted to set a little context for what, what folks can expect over the next few weeks or a month so we went back to the 2021 and 2022 seasons so Austin has not made a trade uh, didn't make a trade in either of those off seasons so it's, this is not out of line and there weren't that many trades today right there was just a couple I think total across the whole league. Yeah, I think
1: there were like three or four announced and then Bogert has reported on three or four others that he expects to be announced soon.
0: Yeah, and then um, the other thing is then free agency will open on Wednesday. Uh, In neither season did Austin announce a free agent signing on the day that free agency opened. The closest being that Austin, the day after free agency opened, uh, announced Alfonso Acombo Chavez as a free agent signing, which, you know, take it for what it what it is on like how exciting or like roster moving that was. It was something
1: though, right? And I added in a note on the notes here, if you'll notice AOC signed, I added 12 days AC that stands for after cup. So that's after
0: that year's MLS cup. Yeah. So that's going to be and we're now what what are we? We're not we're not 12 days after. We're 2 days after. We're 2 days after. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then, uh, I think
1: the earliest we've gotten in the last couple of years was um Ethan Finley was signed on December 15th in 2021. That was 9 days after MLS Cup. Maxi Ruti was 17 days after MLS Cup. Uh so uh, all this to say I know we're all eager for news, but for our own mental health, we should probably
0: temper Ch- our expectations
1: Ch- and be, a, be a bit yeah. more patient.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then really, both both years, the majority of the off-season signings came in January. Um, yeah, yeah. In in both in both twenty one and twenty two. So obviously, the first season was a little bit different because um because we were building a roster. But you know, th- like don't read anything into the fact that as soon as things open nothing happens. One uh, bit of player acquisition that we know will happen next week is the super draft, which will happen on Tuesday, the 19th. Um, we'll do a little bit of a preview next week. Uh, Austin has the fifth pick in the first round. And then I guess wherever to give him, wherever it is again, like the 34th or whatever the, the next one is yeah, um,
1: cur- currently, we that. do
0: not have any additional picks that could change.
1: We could trade for some or trade some of our current picks, but as of right now,
0: we have the fifth pick in each of the three rounds. Yeah. I think you said you're going to watch some, uh, film (laughs) maybe this week, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of a preview because Austin should get, um, I think Phil mentioned this. We should get another, like there should be a generation to do this guy available. Yeah. We'll have a shot at one of the high prospects. So I know,
1: (laughs) I know the North end guys have been going through like all of top drawer soccer's like top college picks. Uh, I I love that they're doing that. I commend them for it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> You're not going to do it. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to wait for, particularly Travis Clark from Top Drawer Soccer. He seems to kind of be like the guy for this kind of stuff. He puts out a big board every year. Ivas Galarcep from SBI Soccer puts out a big board. I'll look at those. I'll I'll look at the like Generation Adidas players, like the top five or ten guys. I'm making a commitment now to go through Uh, why scout and do like some proper scouting on, I don't know the top handful of players and maybe the top handful of GA picks, but look forward to that next week. We'll, we'll have that out on Tuesday, the day of the super draft, I believe. Uh, But so we won't know Austin's pick, but we'll give you kind of a scouting report of who the options are. And whenever the, the draft comes around and you, and they make that pick, you'll kind of know what to think about it, where, where
0: that falls into what the expectations were. Yeah, and we mentioned the expanded player pool when uh, I was on with Mike a couple of weeks ago when the news came out. Uh, so, in addition to seniors, uh, there would be like sophomores, juniors, and above will be eligible, and then even down to freshmen, people like uh, players will be able to sign Generation Adidas contracts. Like, do you? F- how do you? How much do you think like this contributes to legitimacy of the Super Draft?
1: Um, yeah, I don't know how much it i think time will tell how much it contributes to the legitimacy i like it from just like a player freedom standpoint that like i don't i don't like that they're beholden to x number of years and like just that's not how i mean even the other american sports have moved away from that and loosened that stuff up in recent years uh the soccer market just doesn't work that way so i don't like strapping these guys to these weird standards of you have to be in school for X number of years, unless you get a GA contract, blah, 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 blah. Like if you're good enough, if you think you're good enough, if you think you can get a contract, join the draft. Like I'm glad they're able to do that. I don't know how many of them are actually going to get signed or make a difference like that. Like time will tell that over the next couple of years, I'm sure. But I I do like it for
0: the players. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Another piece of news we expect this week is, we believe that us, the league will put the schedule out on the 20th, which is Wednesday. I think we'll probably have Seth Rao on again in the next few weeks to talk. Uh, he, he came on last year to sort of break down the schedule and what we could expect and talk about travel. So we'll have that again. Um, for those of you that follow Austin FC on LinkedIn, Austin's hiring a director of player personnel, um, which was the same job that Sean Rubio had for like two and a half years. That was a little bit interesting because uh, Roto was a little dismissive of the like the importance of that position when we had the post game press conference. Like, what do you, do you have any do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I read through the job posting. This seems like a lower think, level. You were thinking position. about applying?
0: I mean, no, I'm not gonna, applying.
1: Not, okay. <laughs> I'm absolutely not applying. Uh, it seems like a lower level position than what Sean was at. At the time that he was here, if that makes sense, like the I, the title is the same, but I don't think you're going to get like the second in command of an MLS front office getting this job. This seems to be like the posting reads is more of a thing, like somebody who has done some work for a professional sports club to come in and kind of more or less like an entry level position not quite entry level, but not far from it either.
0: Kind of run the cap math spreadsheet and not do a lot more than that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other, the one other piece of news we got was that the, we got the Coachella Valley invitational schedule um, this week. So Austin plays Chicago fire on February 7th, the galaxy on February 11th and the Red Bulls on February 14th. I expect it's probably the bulk of the preseason schedule. Maybe they'll have some scrimmages or whatever it, St. David's Performance Center. Uh, so maybe fewer um, fewer Verde Hill matches than we've had in the past.
1: I, I'd expect there'd still be some, though. I think there's been like four to six preseason games slash scrimmages the last few years. And so I would imagine there will still be some at St. David's that folks can go stand on the hill and watch over the fence. Um, but yeah, it looks like at least three of them are going to be in California. <laughs> Uh, again, this they call it a tournament. This is not a tournament. This is still just preseason games. So don't, preseason games. Yeah. Don't read in anything into these. I imagine there'll be unlimited substitutions and maybe have two or three different goalkeepers play in these games and all of that that you would expect with preseason. So yeah, I mean that's what it is. I don't I don't know what else to say as far as
0: setting expectations or what to expect from this, but it's going to be preseason. Yeah, you hit on it. I feel like uh, part of being a tournament is that you win games in advance right into like a semifinal or final. And this is yeah. just like, they're going to play three friendlies and then it's, and then go home and then go home. <laughs> and then, yeah. home. So <laughs> and then they'll mean. know if they want to sign their draft picks or cause the, like
1: the, the draft picks are probably going to play in this, uh, like some trialists are going to play in this and that's part of what this is for. So um, they'll, they'll still learn from it and get stuff from it. But as far as a competitive thing, it's, it's not that it's
0: not that. And then I guess the, I think this is the last piece of news we have is the major league soccer which apparently is a shadowy selection panel, so we couldn't figure out who actually like, <laughs> selected these awards. Um, awards are out. There were, I don't know, 15 or 20. Most of them were who you, would, who you would expect. I think the Austin FC fan base was maybe surprised a little bit due to the prevalence of the growing demon that Austin FC won medical staff of the year. But, hey, good for them. Maybe, maybe things could have been a lot worse um, if they weren't around. Were there any, other, any of those other awards you thought were notable? Uh, I saw some some discussion online about the Academy of the Year
1: and the Columbus Crew won this one. And I saw some Austin fans making the argument that, okay, Austin FC won uh, the GA Cup last year. Why weren't they in contention for this? And we beat the Columbus Crew. I know this is an academy, but they beat the Crew in the MLS Next Pro Final. So why shouldn't Austin FC be considered for
0: Academy of the Year? Uh, do you have, do you have an answer for that? Well, uh, the other thing I saw was like, what was the U15s? Won, um, when their uh, GA cup, won the GA cup too. But yeah, you, you sort of found the, um, the most recent results of MLS next fest, which said maybe Austin wasn't as deep as some of us might think. Yeah. MLS next fest, which is their like
1: the tournament that they, they have a few different tournaments they run throughout the year, but, the Austin FC U15s and U17s went to that and both lost all three of their groups group play games. <laughs> uh, to other two other MLS clubs and they were all fairly close, but uh, they did lose all of them. And so, yeah, I mean, we're excited about our academies, but we are still new.
0: And, we, they're still building. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's not like a lot to. It would be surprising for an academy that is this, this new and like not that deep yet to to get that um designation so i wouldn't worry about it too much
1: yeah i would take this tournament and the ga cup that the u15s won
0: with equal amounts of salt i think it's very fair well i think that's it man i think we hit on all the news we covered on everything we had to um in a week when I, I think we were both worried that we wouldn't have anything to talk about and then today a lot of interesting things happened that 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 gave us a full show the universe provides jeremiah <laughs> yes
1: all right. Well, before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we really appreciate the kind words and all of your reviews. Um, come follow us on Twitter at lviahero 87 at Bentley underscore ATX, and then at Tower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then check out the Patreon as we enter the new year. We'll start uh, exploring new rewards and all that. And then sign up for Phil West Substack, as we mentioned earlier in the show, VerdeAllDay.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a uh, Super Draft preview. I'm going to do some scouting. We'll have some scouting reports for you. Maybe we'll have some free agent signings, maybe some trades, maybe some transfers. But don't be surprised if we don't. If there's and- none of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be patient. We're all going to get through this together. Until then,
0: I'm Lennon Cottam. I'm Jeremiah Bentley.
1: We'll catch you next time. Thank for nothing. So you never.
0: La gente... Oh my God.